Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen. So let me just start off this little homily by saying, uh, the Lord Jesus is more concerned about changing us than he is about using us. <laughs> I just figured if we're going to fight, I might as well throw the first punch. And so let's get started. <laughs> so the Lord, let me say that one more time because I felt like somehow that kind of, hmm. And so let me say that one more again. So the Lord Jesus is more concerned about changing us than using us. For he knows that if he simply uses us in ministry, he may never be able to change or transform us. But if he can transform us and change us, he will always be able to use us. So we are here asking for God, God, give me a ministry. God, bless me for ministry. And God is saying, I'm not blessing you for ministry. I'm trying to change your crazy behind. Because if I don't change you, you won't even be prepared for ministry. So the ministry is not your identity. The ministry is what you're called to do, but that's not who you are. Hello, somebody. And so you got to stop identifying yourself based on ministry. You got to identify yourself based on who God called you to be. Amen. So transformation is eternal, but ministry is temporal. Let me say that again. I know there's some hot stuff here. I know it. I know it. Hot off the press. Transformation is eternal. Ministry is temporal. See, transformation is when Jesus has been conformed in us, uh, where we have, uh, the Bible says, the newness of life, where we have been shaped. He has been shaped and, and formed and fashioned inside of us to the point to where the inner man has been transformed to look just like him. That doesn't happen overnight. You are being transformed day by day. He's taking us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Some of the things that you're going through, no matter how tough they are, you are being transformed through those things that you're going through. Jesus learned how to be a son by the things that he suffered. If he's our elder brother, and he is according to Scripture, and if we are heirs with him, and we are according to Scripture, then we learn obedience by the things, say it, that we suffer. Hello? We learn obedience by the things we suffer. Why? Because when we go through stuff, you have to be intentional about serving God. Because your flesh is going to try to pull you back to who you used to be. Uh, maybe that's just John Lofton. I don't know. I don't know. I might, y'all might be further along than me. So I, I have to fight. I have to fight, man, when I go through. When things are okay, I don't have to fight much. But, boy, when I'm going through something, when my faith is being challenged, that's when this old flesh wants to take me back. And I'm telling you, you just walk outside of the Holy Ghost for a second. Like some folks say, I'm going to lay my Holy Ghost down and cuss you out, and then I'm going to pick it back up. No, you didn't have it in the first place. Because you can't just lay the Holy Ghost down. I don't know what's wrong with you. Because I love God. <laughs> Amen. You can't just lay the Holy Ghost down, saints of God. If you, if you could just flippantly lay the Holy Ghost down, you never got it. The Holy Ghost is there to come alongside of you. He challenges you. He shapes you. He molds you into the image of God. And Jesus is the, it, he is the visible of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God looks like, you got to look in the face of Jesus Christ. So he came as the perfect son so that we can operate into his sonship with the authority that God gave him. He said, what I see the father doing, that's what I do. Therefore, as many as received him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God. Now that we are the sons of God, we see what the father is doing and we can do it right here on earth in heaven as it is. I told you I'm fired up. You can't pray that prayer unless you know how to be a son. In heaven as it is, on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so we want everything in heaven right here on this earth, amen? I have learned that 
with every level of growth, and this is my personal life, with every level of growth, there is a new level of separation that God takes me through. Every level of growth, there is a new level of separation that God takes us through. And you're trying to figure out stuff is happening and God is pulling on you. And you're trying to figure out why is all this stuff happening and, I, and I'm sensing some stuff. Well, maybe God is trying to separate you from some stuff. If you want to grow your business, you have to separate from some old business practices and develop some best practices. Hello? Amen? If you want to grow a church body, you will have to separate from a ministry-based mindset to have a relationship-based mindset. Let me say that one more time. You're going to have to separate from having a ministry-based mindset to having a relationship-based mindset. Let me, let me see if I can take you a little bit deeper. Want to go a little bit deeper? When you have a ministry-based mindset or a ministry-based church, the whole church is based on how many programs you got. But just because you got 100 programs don't mean that the people know each other. And what you have when you have a lot of programs in churches, you have a lot of islands in churches. Oh, this is my little island. Every, everybody in the island know each other, but they don't know anybody else. Am I in the right place this morning? Amen? Now, I'm not knocking things. I'm just telling you a reality. Amen? But when you are a relationship-based ministry, like this one is, it's based on a relationship. I want to know you. You can get to know me. It's all about who you are and how you're doing. Amen? Because, see, I don't, I don't really care what God has called you to. What I care about is how you're doing. Can we get to that very base level in this ministry? Because I can only preach to this ministry. If we can get to the very base level of understanding that as a son, we are all in the same family, that makes all of us brothers. Let me say that one more time. When you got saved, you became a brother of Jesus Christ. But also, we became brothers in the same family. If we got the same daddy, that means we're in the same family. Amen? So if we're in the same family, that, that, that means all of us are brothers. We should care for one another. Amen? That means you should want to develop a relationship with each other. You should want to go out to lunch. You should want to go to dinner with each other. You shouldn't have to have somebody say, man, y'all need to connect. You should organically connect. I said, you should organically connect. See, the reason people leave churches is because they never connect. I don't know if it's because an individual don't want to connect or if it's just hard to connect with people in the church. But it is a reality when you don't get to know people, it's easy to leave. See, this is why when people leave churches, they do everything they can to get out of stuff. Because it's easier to leave when you're disconnected. Am I talking to the right people? So it's easy to leave when you disconnect. Why? Because uh, my heart is not in this thing. That's because it was ministry-based. Because everything was based on you being in ministry. And now, now when you're not in ministry, you don't have any connection. Come on, somebody. But if you're relationship-based, it doesn't matter if you're in the ministry or not. You have a relationship with a person, and you want to do everything to reconcile the relationship outside of the ministry. Because the ministry is not who you are. Am I talking to the right folks? What if God just stripped you of your little ministry? What you got left? You got your family. You got your life. You got God. Isn't that enough? It better be. So I just want to take some time to explain that because you're going to hear more about that like you've never heard before. Listen, if you want to grow in your walk with God, you will have to separate from what you hear, read, see, say, and think. I'm just saying if you want to grow. If you want to stay where you are, keep reading the same stuff, keep listening to the same stuff, keep going to the same places. And then you can expect a different result because there is a word for you. I didn't say that. I, you, you said that. I didn't say it. <laughs> Are you talking? So, listen, if you want to lose weight, <laughs> if you want to lose weight, you will have to separate from bad eating habits and start adopting better eating habits and ways of eating, right? You will have to stop binge watching reality TV and start binge pressing some stuff. <laughs> you know, and I'll let Ben watch it. I, I want to see what's on TV tonight. Well, maybe if you're doing some push-ups while you're watching that program, you know, doing some, some crunches or something. Amen? Doing something. There's something we can all do at home. You don't have to join the gym. 
There's stuff you can, you can go get two gallons of water and work out just as good as people who got those big old dumbbells in the gym. I don't like working out with big old guys because they make me feel embarrassed. And so they got these big old 100-pound dumbbells, and they're in there just grunting and, and snotting up and stuff. And, and I'm sitting there, and I got my little 20 pounds, and I'm here, and I'm looking like, dang, bruh. And I'm going with it, so I go faster. <laughs> Notice I said I go faster. I don't pick up more weight. <laughs> I got to deal in reality. I ain't going to be sitting up in there and the vessels busting out of my head. I'm not. I'm sorry. Let me come back. I got to get back. My bad. If you want to grow in your marriage, you will have to separate from old mindsets or modalities of how your parents did it because you may not have you may not want to do it the way your parents did it. Right? Well, my parents been together for 65 years. Well, are they happy? Amen. And so maybe you might have to do something a little different. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying sometimes you got to separate from some old traditional stuff so that you can have a good marriage. Am I talking to the right people this morning? If you want to grow in your relationships, the first thing you need to do is start separating yourself from toxic connections. Let me say that one more time. If you want to grow in your relationships, the first thing you need to do is start separating yourself from toxic connections. But then you need to start adding the connections to your life that are mutually beneficial to you. Notice I said mutually beneficial. It should never be one-sided on a relationship. Amen? And so it should be mutually beneficial. Listen, if you want to grow personally, you have to separate yourself from self-defeating habits. Mm-hmm. And what about this one? You also need to separate from abusive behaviors. If you know being around a certain person, okay, I got a good um. <laughs> Man, that was, <laughs> boy, that, was, that was just perfect right there, boy. That little boy, when a pastor hears that, they know, boy, I'm on something right now, boy. I just hit something right there, right? So if you, if you are around a person, right, and they really don't add value to your life, right? So they're like human leeches. So they're always sucking from you, right? Okay, for instance, now it's okay to be around people who want to tell you about the stuff that they go through, right? But there is a point because at some point, you're going to want to cut that thing off if it's not mutually beneficial to you. So if their, their whole goal is to call you, dump, and then hang up. I don't know if dump was a good word, but I apologize if I, I could have used a better word. But, but let, me, let, me, let me see if I can clean it up. I don't have <laughs> Okay, maybe I said that was a bad choice of words. I should have said, you know, they, they put all their problems on you, so that's the... <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, and then, then once they do that, then they're ready to go. And you're you right. Well, listen, I, I actually had something I need to, they don't care about you. They just want to get their stuff out, give it to you. And then now you got to flush it in your system. Now they hang up. Now you got to deal with everything they just put in you. You just receive because you heard it. So once you hear it, it goes into your spirit too. So now faith comes by hearing. And if you keep hearing everybody else's problems, they become yours. So sometimes you got to separate. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. What I'm trying to do is help save your soul. Right? Because there is a point where you have to separate from some people that are not mutually beneficial to your life. They're not adding to your life. See, I, I, I'm not looking for people to add to my life right now. I, I've actually skipped that part. I'm looking for people to multiply my life. Amen? I'm, I'm looking for multipliers. That's, that's who you want to look for. You don't want to look for leeches. You're not people to add. You want people to multiply. Come on, somebody. But when you find that person, that has to still be mutually beneficial. Amen. I'm talking to the right church. I believe I am. I believe I'm in the right place. Praise God. So, so listen, when you have a kingdom reality, you must grasp the profundity of three basic, three basic New Testament paradigms. Three basic New Testament paradigms. Here it is. God delivered us from something. 
you got to understand the kingdom reality that he brought you from somewhere. You can't keep acting like he didn't. You keep cussing and doing stuff, drinking, smoking weed, and then all of a sudden you come to church and think that somehow God is pleased. Uh, oh, y'all got all, y'all drinking and smoking and cussing? Convicted up in here. That's all right, because there has to be a change. Hello, somebody. I'm not here to placate to what you want to do. You want to keep on doing all that stuff and then think God is supposed to bless you? It ain't going to happen because he delivered us from that stuff. He delivered us, but he's not going to keep us from it. He delivered us from the powers of darkness. So why you keep going back in the dark if he brought you into his light? And then you want him to pull your rear end out every time. And you took yourself into that relationship. You took yourself into that period of depression. You took yourself there. Now, we got to start taking some responsibility in the house of God. So this paradigm, he delivered us from something. But also, he translated us to something. So he didn't just deliver you guys. He delivered you from something so he can take you somewhere. Where? Into the kingdom of his beloved son. So now you are heirs with Jesus Christ. This is why I'm trying to get to you guys. We are in the family, praise God. We have been adopted. Amen. Now we can cry, Abba, Father. So he brought us, he delivered us, rescued us from something to take us to something. Listen, listen, check this out. For something. For what? To know him. That's who you are. To know him and to make him known. That's pretty basic, isn't it? He delivered you from something to take you to something for something. God didn't just deliver you so that you can keep on sinning. You did not get a grace card called get out of hell free. You never got that. That's that greasy grace teaching that you can still do anything, and it doesn't matter what you do, God still loves you. But I came to serve notice on that kind of teaching that that is contrary to what Apostle Paul teaches. We have to renew our minds day by day. We have to repent daily. If you are continually doing the same old stuff and you expect God to keep blessing you when you know you're in mess, it is something wrong with the paradigm that you believe. It is not a reality. The reality is you still want to do what you want to do, but you want the king things without the king and you can't have the king's things without the king oh my god okay let me give you the scripture on this, this is in colossians 1 13 he has delivered us or rescued us from the powers of darkness and translated us to the kingdom of his beloved his beloved son one of a kind son amen one of a kind one of a kind this is a word monogenes that's what that means one of a kind in Greek, that there'll never be another one. He is, somebody say, he's one of a kind. Listen, and I also disagree with the teaching that somehow now we're just like Jesus. No, there's only one Jesus. Amen? We're, we're flawed. Just because we're in the family, don't get it twisted. <laughs> you are not Jesus. <laughs> so we are, we are not little gods. I, I disagree with little gods theology too. We're not little gods. There's only one God, big G. Amen? We get an opportunity to operate in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ simply because he died for us on the cross. And through his blood, we get an opportunity to, to operate in the authority, the life, the joy, the compassion for other people through Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we are in Jesus, we are still growing day by day. Listen, none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived. Amen. So we all have to grow. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So listen, check this out. This is, uh, I got this great quote. This is by Dr. John Whitcomb. He's one of the fathers of the modern uh, creationist movement. Uh, this is from his book, Christ, Our Pattern and Plan. Look, look at what he's saying when he was asked about that particular scripture, Colossians, about being separated. He said the only possible way uh, to perpetuate his truth is to separate it from all forms of error and compromise. That, pre that seems pretty... That's straightforward, isn't it? Right? But then he goes on to say, a refusal to recognize 
This fundamental fact is the fatal blunder of modern ecclesiastical ecumenism. And I'm going to explain what that word means in just a second. In all of its forms, including evangelical ecumenism. Truth, look at this, truth cannot be perpetuated through compromise, and compromise cannot be avoided without separation. My God, isn't that, isn't that bold? Isn't that what we're saying here today? This is a formula which God's people have discovered through centuries of sad experience with the weakness of fallen human nature in the presence of the God of this world, that's the devil, and especially through the direct teachings of God's words. This is a powerful statement. Now, let me go back to that word ecumenism. That's a word, actually what it means is a coming together of all the Christian denominations so that we can actually develop relationships. But that word has been changed now over the years. Now is this bringing together of Islam, Christianity, Catholicism, bringing all of that together so that we can come and pray together, right? Well, first thing I got to ask you is who you praying to? Because you can invite me, but unless you pray into God Almighty, Elohim, that's not something I'm going to be a part of because you pray into the wrong God, right? This also leads into, when you read the book of Revelation, this is the harlot church. The harlot church, the one riding on the scarlet beast, this is the false church. The harlot church is a mixture of all of the world religions coming together, and that's the one that men, because of her fornications, are going to be driven by the harlot church in the book of Revelation. So this is what we're seeing today is this amalgamation of bringing all of the world religions together so that somehow Christianity get locked in with all of the other ones, and there's no separation. Therefore, we are no better than the other ones. That's what this is all about. That's why we have to be separated from the other religions because we're different. But that don't make us better. This one came from Dr. G. Campbell Morgan. This is when he was asked about separation and that scripture. And he said this. He said, there is a toleration which is treachery. There is a peace which issues in paralysis. There are hours when the church must say no to those who should ask communion with her in the doing of her work upon the basis of compromise. In other words, saints of God, at some point, the church has to say no. I'm not going to get involved in that. That's going to cause me to compromise. I can't date you. I can't go out with you. I'm not going to marry you. Because if I do that, that's going to cause me to compromise on my convictions. I don't think this is this might not be the kind of preaching people want, but this is the kind of preaching you're going to get up in here. Amen. We're not going to tolerate all this mess. Amen. He goes on to say such standing aloof, aloof, I'm sorry, may produce ostracism and persecution. But it will maintain power and influence because we have to maintain the holiness of the church. That's our job to do that. If the church of God in the cities of today were aloof to, aloof from, I'm sorry, the maxims of the age, separated from the materialistic philosophies of the schools bearing her witness alone to the all-sufficiency of Christ and the perfection of his salvation, even though persecuted and ostracized and bruised, it would be to her that men would look in the hour of their heartbreak and sorrow and national need. In other words, if we keep, keep ourselves separated, when the hour comes, they're going to know to come to us because we did not compromise. Because at some point, truth has to be separated from the lie. The reason why men heartbreak and sorrow and, I'm sorry, the reason why men do not look to the church today is that she has destroyed her own influence by compromise. And that's why people are not coming to church, because we've been so busy trying to compromise and look like the world so that people from the world will, will see us as more acceptable. That's a problem. That, that's a problem, guys. That's a big problem. That's a problem that we need to get control of today. Right? Amen? Are you with me now? I'm not mad. I'm just telling you this is reality here that we're dealing with that we have to separate from some things. So 
I want to show you four aspects of the separated life, and I want to get to this first one so we can get done here. Jesus, this is in Luke 2.52. Is in your Bible. Mark it. Mark it up. Jesus incre- increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's a, a simple scripture, isn't it? I probably found so much in this scripture to preach until the summer. Yeah. Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. I'm telling you, we can, we, we can go probably till December. That, that, that scripture right there. Why? I got four aspects here. Let me show them to you. Jesus increased in wisdom, that's your mental aspect. And in stature, that's your physical aspect. And with favor with God, that's your spiritual aspect. And man, that's your social aspect. Are you here with me today? On those four aspects, man, I can, boy, I can go for some stuff right there. So if Jesus increased in these, and he is the son of God, and if we're heirs with Jesus, shouldn't we increase in this too? Hello? Am I in the right place? So listen, let's talk about the first one. Let me show you my little chart here. Now, I can't take responsibility for this chart. Actually, I got this chart from a book I was reading uh, from a missionary. His name is uh, Robert Ramsey. And, uh, and when I saw this chart, I was like, my God, this is exactly what I'm preaching on. So I got to use this chart. So this chart shows the four different aspects, right? So what we're going to do today, we're going to take mental, right? And so from the mental aspect, we're going to talk about each one of these four. Next Sunday, we're going to do social, then we'll do physical, and then we'll do spiritual, Okay, not necessarily in that order. I'm not sure what order we're going to go in, but we're going to talk about all four of those. Amen. Are you here? All right. Is it you ready? Okay. let's do the mental part. Right. So this one. (laughs) Okay. so let's do this. one. The mental aspect. (laughs) Let's talk about our thought life. (laughs) I don't know if y'all want to think about y'all. Why y'all looking at me like that? We're talking about our thought life, right? So, so here, all practical godliness must begin with the thought life. Why I say that? Well, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, as he thinks in his heart, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Even if he's thinking about a lie. See, this is why the devil wants you to talk about your problems. Because when you talk about your problems, you develop faith in your problems. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't matter if it's faith in the wrong things. <laughs> I don't know why y'all looking at me like that. Y'all stop. Y'all making me nervous. Right? So if you're constantly just talking about your problems, talking about your problems, talking about your problems, the devil hears it. He knows it. As a person thinks in his heart. So is he. So in other words, to negate fear-filled words, you got to fill yourself with faith-filled words. So in other words, you got to go back to the Bible, right? Lord, I know how I'm feeling in my body right now, but I also know what your word says, that I'm healed in Jesus' name, right? You didn't hype up the problem. You put a solution on the problem. Lord, I know my finances, man. I tell you, they look all jacked up right now. That's the ghetto way to see it. They don't look good, right? But I know according to your word that I have an inheritance from the Father and that as I prosper in my soul, I can prosper on the outside too. So you put the solution, what? On the problem. You don't hype up the problem. You hype up Jesus. He's the solution. Amen? Right? So because... You got to get the way your, you got to get your thought life back. Why do you think you've been doing good? I mean you've been doing good. Then all of a sudden, when you least expect it, bam, here comes that old thought. You hadn't thought about that thing in 10 years. And all of a sudden, here it comes. And then the first thing you do, if you don't, if you're not careful, you take it in. And then you start saying, Lord, I hate them thinking this way. Lord, why am I thinking this way? Instead of saying, I rebuke this thought right now, I take it captive, and I place it under the blood of Jesus Christ. You got the solution. Amen? Your thought life. So, listen, you're not going to separate 
for God if you can't separate in your thoughts. If you keep thinking about that person because y'all had a thing, and it was a good thing, too. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The kids in here, so y'all going to have to keep it base. <laughs> and you know you ain't married, and you, that person, you know that person wasn't good for you. That was the only thing that was good. And you will have the propensity to forget about all the bad stuff and think about that one thing that was good. Why? Because your flesh wanted. it. I'm glad I'm in my church because I can't teach this kind of stuff in other churches. You know your flesh won't it. Why, why y'all looking at me like that? Am, am I not in the right? Sam, am I, am I in the right place, Sam? You know your flesh going to want it. Listen, you, okay, okay, since you guys are so holy right now, let me, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah, they felt it. So since we're real holy, so let's do this. Let's do this. If you just think about it for one moment, and if you just step out of the Holy Ghost, you watch what your flesh will do. You'll start calling people. You'll start cussing people. You'll start fighting. You'll start rebuking folks. You'll start getting hateful again. Come on, am I talking to the right folks? No, okay, let me do this, let me do this. If I stepped outside of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to fight every one of y'all. Cuss you out. Why? Because that's my nature. The nature is a sinful nature. You, your nature is going to do what nature does. And if you think for one moment that you can somehow get outside of this nature without the Holy Ghost, that's, that's, it, that's the problem. The reason he had to give us the Holy Ghost is because he knew that our nature was always going to be sinful. See, I told you when I started teaching this stuff, it was going to be... I ain't going to get a whole lot of amens. And, you know, I, it was nice, boy. Worship was like, the preaching was like. <laughs> this is, I'm setting y'all up. I'm setting all y'all up. Y'all setting y'all up, man. Y'all better get up here and preach the same stuff because I want them to look at y'all like they look at me. All right. The quality of your thinking leads to the quality of your results. Does that make sense? I told you this is pragmatic. This is a very practical message. The quality of your thinking leads to the quality of your results. If you're not thinking good, your results are going to be bad. I'm just telling you right now, I don't care how much you pray. I don't care about all that, that spiritual stuff. Just, just get this spooky stuff out of it. Listen, there's some practical stuff that if you don't put in place, you can always be unsuccessful. I don't care who you are. You can be, you can be a broke Christian. And you can be a rich, worldly, worldly person, or you can be a rich Christian or a broke, worldly person. Do you know the difference? It's the way they think. Yes. Outside of all this spiritual stuff, the difference is how they think. We got the same 24 hours in the day that everybody else got. What are you going to do with your 24 hours? Right. Amen? So unsuccessful people focus their thinking on survival. They just want to get through it. Now, some of you are in that survivalist mode right now. You just want to, whoo, I just want, I got to get through this. You're going from paycheck to paycheck. Don't worry. I've been there too. Yeah, yeah, you're just, you just trying to survive. But listen, just because you're trying to survive, that don't mean that your thinking have to be on that level. Because if you continue to try to, to have that survivalistic mentality, you're always going to be in a, a survivalistic mentality. You would never go above where you are because your thinking is still below. Oh, I'm getting a good amen. It must, it must be getting good, Max. Praise God. So average people focus their thinking on just maintaining. I just want to maintain where I am. Lord Jesus, I finally made it over. I got, got $2,000 in the bank. Lord Jesus, I'm happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I got a little cushion now. I just want to maintain where I am, and that's where you will always be. Successful people focus their thinking on progress. It doesn't matter where you are. You're trying to think, okay, God, how can I do this thing better? How can I tweak this, God? Okay, if I do this with my investments, what will that do in the long term? God, if I do this, what will happen on that front, God? If I take this class or if I get this degree, if I get a higher education or if I, if I get a trade, God, what is that going to do to me financially later on? Do you realize something? Let me tell y'all a secret. Come here. Come here. Let me tell you a secret. The Holy Ghost is not going to go to class for you. I know, I know it, I know, I know that's a revelation. I know it is, I know it, I know it, I know, I know, I know that is a revelation. That is from the throne of God. The Holy Ghost 
is not going to go to class. He is not going to open up that laptop and click on that link so you can get your instructions. He is not going to write that paper for you at 11.59. (laughs) When you know you got 30 seconds. (laughs) Whoa, I got to get this paper. uh, Somebody in here know what I'm talking about, amen. (laughs) Praise God. But successful people focus their thinking on progress. This is where we should always be. Listen, let me, let, me, let, me do, let me take it back to the spiritual for a second. You should never be satisfied with your spiritual walk. You should never, because there's always more in God. I don't care how deep he takes you, he can go deeper. Trust me, I'm, I'm living that right now. Right? He can always take you deeper. And when he takes you deeper, there's more conviction and there's more repenting. The deeper you go with God and the closer you get to his presence, the more he reveals your stuff. You've been hiding stuff for years, but the more and more you get closer to Jesus, he starts exposing stuff. He starts peeling you back like an onion. And then all of a sudden you go, what? I don't want you to see that, Lord. And then a lot of times we start backsliding like Michael Jackson. We start doing the moonwalk because we don't want to see what's in there. But Jesus is trying to reveal it so that we can deal with it so that we can go deeper with him. Because if you don't deal with it, you're stuck and you're going to have to maintain where you are. Can I give you another scripture? Write this one down. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 7 said, let the wicked forsake his way. And let the righteous man his thoughts. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. In my book, Mixer, I expose a fundamental flaw that all living people will have to contend with. We all possess the old nature that is caged up like a wild beast looking for a way out. Every one of us got that wild beast in us. It's been caged up by the Holy Ghost. And if you are vulnerable in the right place, you'll see that beast come out. (laughs) Okay, let me see. Let me give you an example. So y'all looking like, I don't know about that. Yeah, you do know. Okay, all right. So your day didn't go well. You had a horrible day. It was a horrible day, right? So you, you already vexed, right? So now you got to contend with people who, um, who are challenged at driving. <laughs> Y'all, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're, they're a little challenged, right? Somebody know what I'm talking about here. They're a little challenged, right? They're challenged because they can't decide what lane they want to be. Okay, okay, all right. I, I, I might be on something right now. I don't know. This might be another revelation here. And you, you, you're looking at them, and you're like, where wh- wh- you going to go? What you going to do, right? See, see? Y'all see what I'm talking about, right? Well, you're like, you know, she knows. You know, right? You know? And it's like, you're driving. you already mad, right? you vexed. You're just trying to get home so you can deprogram. You can sit, you know, see the family, kiss your wife, kiss your husband, whatever. You, if you don't have a husband, kiss your dog, whatever it is. And so you're just trying to get home, and, and all of a sudden, you get this Christian trainer. Uh, did I drop that on him? <laughs> you get this Christian trainer because they are trying to expose that beast. Well, so what happens is they start coming in your lane. And you, and you try to, look, I try to be nice. I'm like, hey, uh, hey I'm here. Bump, bump, you know, <laughs> you know, you kind of, you kind of lightly tap, you know, hey, 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 you, you can't see my car. So, so you like, you know, <laughs> so that, that's the beast, right? The beast. And so you kind of blow a little bit, you know, and they, and they kind of, oh, 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 okay. And then they come over, you know, and you driving and then all of a sudden they just, whoom. And at that point, the beast has been leashed. You're like, Whoa! unleash. Yeah, right, unleash. I'm sorry. And you, you lay on it, right? Because I believe that horn is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you lay on that horn, man, and you're like, I can't believe you came over here in my lane. That's the beast. 
right? And then, yeah, and then that's the fast lane. And then they drive 45 in the fast lane. And, and, and you can't really, you can't really get over because then you got this joker. They ain't even watching. They just. You, 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 hey, hey. And you can't get over. And you got this joker slowing down. See, y'all saw the beast come out just then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, everybody in here got that beast. See, when you got saved, that beast was contained. We locked him down by the Holy Ghost. Listen, saints. Look at this. Look at this. This, this is, I believe the Lord just gave me this right here. When we got saved, we contained that beast. We locked him down, right? But listen, the longer and longer you stay out of church, you stay out of his word, you don't worship, you don't love, that beast is going to come out. And if you don't believe me, you just stay away from God and church, and people who convict you, and you watch what happens. And then you're trying to justify. See, here, here we go. You're you going to justify. See, that's why I don't go to church. They always judging me. And they ain't even talking about you. <laughs> you know what that is? You know what that is? That's condemnation that you're bringing on yourself. Right? Because they ain't even talking about you. But everybody that says something, you think they're talking about you. Then you become hypersensitive. Yeah, yeah, offended. Right? And listen, saying, if we're in the same family, if we're brothers and sisters, right, can we just get along with each other? Right? Can you just go to your brother and say, look, you know what? You, you really hurt me when you said that. I mean, I, I, um, it's hard for me to get past this. We got, we got to talk about this because we're brothers. Right? Do you know how many people We'll come back to church if we can just get this in the church. Maybe the ones that are out of church that they're going to stay there. But while we're here, I have an obligation to tell, us who, to tell you who you are. Amen? That we are in the family and some of this stuff we got to get past. Amen? All right, let's do this next one. I got to get you guys out of here. I'm sorry. Studies and reading. So let's do this. Second, sorry, Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How often do you carve out time to do nothing but study the Bible? Because this also will help your thought life. I'm telling you. Now listen, I just, I just repented to you because I've been convicted about my time. And the Lord, just in his loving way, he's just so good like that, is, well, give me what you got. So that's what I do. Five, ten minutes here or at work, at lunch, 15 minutes there. I got my book with me, got my Bible with me. Boom, I'm getting in there. And guess what? It, it's not the quantity. It's the quality of time that I have with Papa, that he can download stuff to me in 10 minutes. And with somebody else that might have been in the Bible for an hour, don't get anything. Amen? So listen, so let me, let me help you here. Give yourself a break. You have to work. You got to do things. You got to take care of your family. We, we, we know that. And a lot of times when, when pastors, and I'm, I'm using a general statement, a lot of times when pastors are out of the workforce for a long period of time, they forget about how much, it, how much time it takes for you to actually work and take care of your family. So there are not, there's, some, there's times when you just can't spend an hour in prayer. Amen? But maybe you can give a good 15 minutes. So, so make sure you give that to God, right? And so also reading. How much time do you set aside just to read the Bible? Amen? So let me give you these. Seven benefits of reading. It improves brain function. So I'm trying to get you guys, uh, I give books to my leaders. I, I read, I'm, I'm an avid reader. I love reading because I, I, I need to know some stuff. Right? And I'm not doing it to preach either. I'm doing it because I want to know. Amen? And so it improves brain function. It reduces stress. Did you know that? It reduces stress. When you read, it's just like, oh, man, 
right? You calm down a little bit. You get your mind off of all your stuff, right? Check this out. It also improves memory. It improves imagination. It de you develop critical thinking skills. This is why we have to get our kids to be readers, right? At some point, sometimes we got to take those electronic devices out of their hands and put a book in their hands. Amen. Right? Unless they're reading a book on their electronic device, right? Which, which a lot of kids do that too, because I do that. It builds your vocabulary. Now, my wife had, and Caitlin, they have an extensive vocabulary, right? Because when I'm in the house, they would drop a word on me. And they see this glassed look in my eyes. And I go, I, I, have, I, 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 I don't know. I have no idea what that word means. <laughs> She'll drop some good ones on me, man. And then what I do, I put it in, I got, oh, man, I'm telling y'all some stuff now. But I, I got in my, in my, okay, let me give you a secret. In my notepad, I have a, it says vocabulary words, right? So I have all of these words in my notepad with the definitions. And so what I try to do every week is I pick a word, and I try to use that word all day. <laughs> See, they think I'm smart. I ain't smart. I'm just taking those words, right, and I'm, just, I'm cheating, <laughs> right? So that's how I get my vocabulary better, right? So then when you're out with other people and you start talking, and they say, oh, boy, that fella is very articulate. <laughs> and then I can go get ghetto on them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, I got the best of both worlds, you know. <laughs> Number seven, it improves communication skills, right? So, again, this is, this is very practical stuff, saints of God, right? If, if, if we know that there are so many benefits, so why aren't we reading? I'm not saying that you're not reading. We need to read more. And we need to talk to our children. Get them excited about books any kind of way you can. Get them excited about reading. Caitlin loves reading. She tears up books, man. And, and I love that about her because she's a good reader. She loves to read. And so, please, saints, let's, let's, let's see if we can get this part right. So let's, let's talk about readiness, right? Readiness is the next one. That's the next one. Let me get through this one, too. So readiness is this. You must be, let me, let me just do this like this. You must always be ready to move when God is ready to move. I, I don't even want to give you the scripture that I had. So let me just paraphrase this real quickly here because I'm going to get you out of here so you can go eat. Readiness means the moment God speaks, you say, here I am. Yeah. Right? Before you start asking questions like Moses, I can't, can't, can't speak. And so Moses won't want to talk about his deficiency, but God said, listen, I called you to go do something. All I need you to say is, here I am, send me. Readiness, being ready. As a matter of fact, the night when they did the Passover, Moses gave them strict commands. He said, listen, put your shoes on your feet. Put your belt on because you need to be ready to move out in the morning. Guess what? If they had not prepared, they would not have been ready to move out when God was moving. Right? So just be ready. Be willing to say, Lord, I'll go. Just whatever, Lord, you want me to do. I know it looks crazy, but I'm ready, Lord. Are you ready for that? Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, something's coming. Hey, <laughs> something's coming. Check this out. Who reads Oswald Chambers? Anybody read, reads Oswald Chambers? Two, one, one more person? So when I give you guys these names, you need to be writing these names down and reading their books. I'm telling you. This is all. He has a phenomenal devotional that I use, and I got this out of my devotional. It said, readiness for God means that we are prepared to do the smallest things or the largest things. It makes no difference. He can put us wherever he wants, in pleasant duties or in many ones. Because of our union with God, it's the same as Jesus' union with the Father. Then he put, he, Jesus was put into some, some places, right? But no matter, it was not his will, but it was the will of the Father. Amen? Here's the last one, guys. I don't know if y'all ready for this one. At the two! Here's the last one. Let me get through this one quickly because I know... This one is this one going to hurt. <laughs> Philippians said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that mind that he's talking about is a mind of unity and humility. Look at this. Uh-oh, I didn't write it down, so I got to read it to you. This is the last scripture. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Write it down. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. I'm going to read it from the Amplified, and then we're going to pray. We're talking about attitude. It says this. Let all bitterness, 
and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, and slander. Slander is evil speaking of other people. Abusive speaking, that's slander. Be banished from you with all malice and become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, and love-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It said, let this mind be in you as it is in Christ. Well, what mind is that? I just read you the mind of Christ right there. This is that attitude adjustment that we meet, need to make. As Christians, we must be fanatical separatists to separate from anything that doesn't line up with God. That's all I had. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.